0: if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to two scriptures in the book of Mark, chapter 10, 1 Peter, chapter 5. I encourage each and every one of you, do your absolute best if you can to make it to every service. I know sometimes situations are, are extreme and we, we can't make it. But I believe that if we'll put forth uh, an effort, God will do the same. believe he will match What we put forth. Mark chapter 10. Let's begin with verse number 46. And they came to Jericho. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. They cried, The more a great deal, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight and Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. First Peter 5 and 7, very common scripture. The Bible says, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. In our first reading, the disciples looked at this individual who was in a bit of a quandary and said, Be of good comfort. Rise, he calleth thee. And in our second scripture, it said, he careth for thee. So by the help of the Holy Ghost this morning, I want to preach on this thought. He calls because he cares. He calls. Regardless of who you are, regardless of what walk of life you came from, he calls because he cares. Lift your hands to heaven this morning. Father, we know in this house there is a multitude of situations, circumstances, backgrounds, etc. Lord, but one thing we all share today is our desire to leave this place changed by the power of the Holy Ghost. I bind every spirit that would hinder the work of God, I take dominion over every opposition. That would stand in the way. And I pray for a release in the heavenly realm this morning. I pray that you would minister the hearts and the needs of each and every individual. That finds himself in the presence of God today. Lord we give you thanks and glory and praise. And we clap our hands unto the Lord. Thank you Jesus. Lord bless you. You may be seated. He calls because he cares. A careful examination this morning of God's word reveals to us many different roles or dimensions of God as it relates to his people. In the Old Testament, he was known as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner. Jehovah Shalom. Jehovah Shalom, our perfect peace. Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord is our righteousness. Jehovah Shama, the one who is with us, etc., etc. We know that he also filled many significant roles in the Old Testament. For instance, in the children of Israel's Exodus, he was the cloud by day, and he was a pillar of fire by night. He was water that came out of a rock. He was the fourth man in the fire. He was a, a burning bush yet it was not consumed if you if you filter through the old testament you will find many different uh roles or dimensions that god made himself in their life and then there was a day when the god of the old testament became the god of the new testament and jesus christ the embodiment of deity god in the flesh it was then that the God of the old became the God of the new. And in my opinion, the Bible doesn't even scratch the surface regarding everything, every dimension that Jesus operated in. We understand that there's not enough books to contain everything that Jesus did. We are given a glimpse, a window, if you will, into his life through the four Gospels. But but I, I believe that Jesus' ministry went so far beyond what we read and if we take the time to analyze and compare each role he filled my question today is could we arrive at a conclusion of which role was most notable i'm sure we could debate for hours whether or not his role as a provider was the best role he ever filled or maybe the role that jesus filled as a healer Maybe the deliverer of the children of Israel. Maybe the time that he he spoke peace to a storm is something that you would say that that is the most notable. Maybe it was the sacrificial lamb that is most notable. We could go on and on and say, well, what is the greatest role that Jesus filled? But in my opinion, all of these are marvelous Yet there's one role that God filled that is quite amazing. And that was the very first role ever recorded in the Word of God, and that is a creator. Creator. The Bible says, in the beginning, God created. No other avenue, aspect, dimension, or role would have been possible if it would not have been for the first role, which was that of the Creator. See, God's very essence is creating. We cannot comprehend creating because we only have the ability to make, which means we take pre-existing materials and we construct what we have conceived in our mind. But there is so much creative power in God that if it doesn't exist when he thinks it, it becomes. That's why it's called a miracle because you can't do it. But only that role of a creator. That's why Jesus said, no man can take my life. I have to verbally give authority for death to come in because he has so much creative power. He could have kept producing blood as he was hanging on a cross. That's why he couldn't die until he said, it is finished. I verbally give permission for death to step into my body. The role of the creator. In my opinion, it's the greatest role God has ever filled. He he still creates today. He still creates. The Bible said, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein, planets, stars, galaxies, other worlds, mountains, valleys, rivers, rapids, every creature, great and small. It all points back to the most vivid imagination. Each is unique and has the thumbprint of a precise craftsman after contemplating his greatest role as God. The question arises, what is his greatest creation as a creator? Some would say the snow-capped mountains or the deep, beautiful blue seas, perhaps natural wonders, stand as a testimony of his creation. But I believe that nothing compares to the greatest creation I believe that if you look at everything and say, well, that's beautiful, and that's beautiful, and that's awesome, and and wow, how, how did God do that? I believe one thing will stand out as God's greatest work, and that is the day he created humanity. It's his greatest creation. When you consider how many billions of people God has created, how many people from the beginning of time even to this day have been created, yet not one. Person was alike. Not one person. You can't draw stick people and end up with five or ten before you. They all look alike. And God created over billions and billions and billions of people, and not one of them. They may look alike, but they're not alike. We're talking size. We're talking color, hair. You name every aspect that God used to create those people. Every one of them was a creation that came from the mind of God. God, It's God's greatest creation. Every every attribute that we share comes from God. Every, Every trait, the ones you like and the ones you don't like, they all came from God. Joy, sadness, anger, laughter. The question arises, after we've decided his greatest role, his greatest creation, then what is our greatest attribute as a human? We can go on and on, but I believe our greatest attribute that everybody shares is love. Love. Love, whether you realize it or not, embedded in your genetic makeup is the ability and the desire for love, the desire for for somebody to care for you. Care is an expression of love. You want you want to know, does somebody care for me? And you like to give care. It's not taught. Animals are not taught how to care. It's, It's in their makeup. When we were when we found out we were expecting Sadie, I don't care how much you read about babies. Nothing prepares you for the real thing, like the real thing. And you know, nobody had to teach us how to love that baby. Nobody had to teach us how to care for that baby. It, it's part of you. You you like to care. You know how to care. Brothers and sisters care for each other. Children through later stages of life care for their parents. Friends care for each other. It's something we rarely think about as long as the care is coming. But when the care ceases, we start feeling lonely. See, we all like being cared for. I'm the biggest baby there is when I get sick once or twice a year, and I will milk it for all it's worth. You give me some Sprite, some popsicles, and a little bell. Well, in an RV, all you got to do is wave your hand, and everybody's going to see you anyway, so you don't even need a bell. I like being cared for when I'm sick. That's the greatest two or three days of my life almost. Man, you know what I'm talking about. Don't act like I'm the only man in here fessing up. You like being cared for. You like it when somebody will wait on you and somebody's going to come brush your hair out of your forehead just because you've got a fever. You, you like that. You like, and, and, and I almost dread when I start feeling better. I will cough a little longer if I can get one more soda, one more Sprite, because we like That care. We we like that attention. We like to know that somebody cares for me. It's in your nature. It's in your nature. But there are times in our life, if we're all honest, there are seasons that we go through, situations that caught us off guard, where we start to think nobody cares. Nobody knows what I'm having to go through. Nobody knows what cross I'm having to carry. Nobody understands. pastor don't even know what I'm going through. And you start to think that nobody cares. You think because of your past, because of your mess-ups, because of past failures, and because of friends or bad decisions. You begin to think nobody cares cares for me and when you start thinking like that the enemy plays on your emotions and pretty soon you alienate yourself from people who really do care and the devil will convince you that you're in this thing all by yourself and there's no way it can get any better and you're helpless in your situation the lonely road of helplessness begins when you think nobody cares when you think you're all alone, perhaps no one knows that road better than blind Bartimaeus. The Bible said as they, as they went out of Jericho, there was a man named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. It is believed that his father was blind and, and he's blind, so we're dealing with a multiple generation problem right now. And I believe that Bartimaeus was used to a life of helplessness. He was used to a situation that many deemed hopeless. I believe that maybe there was a day when he did have people that would come by and check on him. Perhaps there was a time in his life when friends would come by and just to keep him company. But maybe they got tired of being situated or seen with somebody who's hopeless. I find it funny that there are problems that sometimes will attract people and then it won't be long they'll repel people. There are things, there are seasons of life, there are situations that we go through that at first people are want to, want to be there to help and they want to be there to make sure you're okay, but, but because you didn't clean your mess up fast enough, uh, that same situation will repel people who you thought once cared for you. Such it was with Bartimaeus. He lived a life of utter helplessness and hopelessness. I'm sure he thought many times, of, I'll never amount to anything. I'll never do anything noteworthy. My situations are beyond my control and I'm a victim of circumstances. And I have nothing to look forward to. I have nothing good in my life. I'm helpless. I'm hopeless. People avoid me because I'm a beggar. People avoid me because of something they don't even know about. People avoid you because of something you can't even control. People that sit across the church from you avoid you and they don't even know all the details of what's going on in your life. And you feel like the people who should love you the most are the ones that have their fingers crossed saying, don't come near me. Can I walk in the Holy Ghost a little while? Just because we go to church doesn't mean we're perfect. When you get the Holy Ghost, you're not an angel. If you're a jerk before the Holy Ghost, you'll be a jerk after the Holy Ghost. It doesn't make you perfect. It gives you the ability to change. And because we come to church and there's a host of different natures, pretty soon we start doing this to some people. We don't even know what's going on in their life. We don't know what they're having to go through. And we judge prematurely by our thoughts and our emotions. We we don't even know half the story. Bartimaeus was used to being judged. He might have been the best person there. He might have had the best personality. But because of something he could not prevent, he found himself in a helpless situation, a hopeless situation. But there came a man one day named Jesus. Perhaps he had heard about Jesus. Perhaps he had heard about what God did for other people. Perhaps he had heard about miracles that Jesus performed. And he knew, if if everybody else has given up on me, surely there's one person that will love me. Surely there's one person who'll care for. Me. Surely there's one person that I could tug at his heart string. And the Bible said that when Jesus walked by, Bartimaeus cried out, "Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me." See, many people think that his greatest need was his sight, but if that was the case, I believe he would have said, "Jesus, thou son of David, open my blinded eyes." But first, he needed to know, is there somebody that loves? Loves me, So he said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy. Do you love me? Will you care for me? Will you come to me when nobody else will? He needed to know deep in his spirit that Jesus Christ, regardless of what he's done for anybody else, I need to know, does Jesus love me? And it was because he tugged at his heartstrings. That Jesus stood still. I believe at that very moment he felt every pain that Bartimaeus felt. I believe at that very moment he felt a heart that was helpless. That was hopeless. I believe at that moment he was so moved by what he heard in his voice. He told the disciples, go call him. And I tell you that he didn't call him based upon how much money he had. He didn't call him because of a pedigree, because he came from the right part of town, because he had a degree. He didn't call him. The only reason he called him was because he cared for him. The only reason Bartimaeus got a visit that day was because of Jesus Cared for Bartimaeus. I'm here to tell you this morning, it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter your mess-ups. It doesn't matter how poor or how rich. The one thing Jesus looks for is care. He's calling you this morning because he cares. He cares for you. You better believe he cares. You're his greatest creation. You're his prized possession. That's the reason he calls you. We get hung up on our past. And we judge the height of our future by the lows of our past. And we think because we did this or we did that or we had this many mess ups that there's no way God could ever use us because we messed up. But my Bible still says if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Once Bartimaeus knew. Jesus loved him. Once Jesus established that fact in his spirit and said, Bartimaeus, I do love you. I do know where you're at. Then he said, what can I do for you? The second most important thing in Bartimaeus was my, my sight. I need my sight. You know the story, very common story. Jesus healed him. Go thy way, thy faith has made thee whole. I know he was happy about his sight. But I believe what he left rejoicing over was that day he had encountered somebody who cared for him. He had encountered somebody who could look past all of his problems and all of his mess-ups. And God knew that day I can change somebody's life because I care for him. Can I tell you today, regardless of what you face, God's love for you will never change. I don't care how many mistakes you've made. I don't care how much you beat yourself over your past. Nothing you've ever done could stop God's love from reaching you this morning. Nothing. It's hard for you to understand. It's hard for us to fathom or understand the depths of God's love and God's mercy because we write people off prematurely. And we think God handles people like we handle people. And if somebody does you wrong, put a big X on them. You're not going to go that route anymore. You're not going to mess with those people. And we, we think that God handles us like we handle others. That's not true. God's love is unconditional. Nothing you ever did or ever will do will deter God from loving you. The Bible said, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Your, your past, you have to give it to God. Your insecurities, you have to give it to God. Your difficulties, the load that you carry, the only way that you can ever find peace and happiness is you've got to put it in the hands of a God who is able. He's able. Don't think for a moment that God can't handle your luggage. Don't think for a moment God can't handle your past. The Bible said in Hebrews, for we have not an high priest which could not be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Can I tell you today that that verse reaches beyond the temptation factor and touches on the human factor. The emotions, the abandonment, everything that we deal with, he dealt with. Every emotion that racks our body, he dealt with. Every torment that comes through our mind, he dealt with. it. So don't think for a minute that you're experiencing something that God has no blueprint on. He knows what it is to be betrayed. He knows what it is to be forsaken. He knows what it is to be isolated, just like every one of us in this building knows what it's like to face something that you don't think you can cope with. You don't think you can handle it. You're walking down a road that you never thought your life would take. And you're experiencing things that you never thought were humanly possible. And you're scratching your head going, how am I going to make it through this? I'll tell you how. Casting all your cares upon him. Because he cares. He cares. We can become disillusioned when we're facing difficult times. We can become so disoriented. Disoriented. And what we once held as truth, now we're, we're going, God, how could you allow me to face this? God, how could you allow these circumstances to come into my God, why did you do this? And begin, after a while, you start thinking that I'm the only one having to face this. I'm the only one going through this. Nobody even knows what I'm going through. Nobody cares what I'm uh, about what I'm facing. I'm talking real. I'm talking humanity this morning. But you have to position yourself. A visitation. You you can't just come to church and and keep leaving and, and you'll leave upset every time thinking why did I get anything? You didn't position yourself to get anything. You came with a mindset of grief and you left with a mindset of grief. You came frustrated and you left frustrated because you didn't. Zacchaeus had a reputation; nobody wanted anything to do with him. In fact, he climbed a tree. Everybody says just see Jesus. You know what? I think he—I I think nobody wanted to be around him. It was the only place he could get. Nobody liked tax tax IRS people back then. We still don't like them. Nobody wanted to do any, have anything to do with him. But it was Jesus, in spite of his past, in spite of his reputation. It was Jesus who pointed at him and said, "You come down out of that tree." And he called Zacchaeus. You know why he called Zacchaeus? Because he cared for Zacchaeus. That's why. God doesn't call you based upon credentials. He called you. He calls you because he cares for you. We're harder on ourselves than God is. We beat ourselves up more than God ever does. Hear me. Seeing yourself through the lens of who you were will stop you from seeing yourself through the lens of who God called you to be. You judge yourself by your mess-ups. You'll never be able to embrace what God has for you. You'll never be able to embrace the future that God has in store for you if all you do is get hung up on how many times you failed God and how many times you've did this and how many times you beat yourself up and God's going, can you get over that? I've got a future for you. I have a, I have a promise for you. I will use you. See, you, you have to have the liquidity of thought and the nimbleness of mind to transition from how you once saw yourself into who God is calling you to be. You've got to get over the fact that you've messed up so many times that you've lost count and understand uh, that I can start over today. I, I can have a brand new start today, uh, and God's mercy will reach across all of my failures, uh, and it will push me into my future. That's God's power. That's God's mercy. That's what God can do. I promise you today, nothing you've ever done, none of your mess ups will ever stop God from using you. In fact, the Bible said, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, if you see, if you follow Jesus in the Bible, he never, uh, he never associated with all the uppity ups. He never associated with all the who's who of society in fact every time they found him he was with publicans and sinners he was with people who had problems he was with people who had mess ups and had failures see if Jesus would have went to the top and said I'm only going to start here and everybody who's got their act together and above can be saved he would have set a precedent whereby you had to reach a certain level to attain salvation so what did he do he went to the bottom of the bottom of the bottom and said if I start here then everybody can be saved if I go to the worst of the worst then that means everybody from there on up can have chance at salvation you better believe he loves you you better believe that he cares for you and it doesn't matter how many times you messed up. It doesn't, happen. it doesn't matter how many times you walked out of these doors and you failed God. That doesn't matter. What matters is what are you going to do today? What are you going to do right now? Are you going to leave the same way that you came? Or are you going to come down to an altar and say, God, give me a brand new start? Stand with me all over this building right now. There's a call this morning, echoing from the portals of glory. He's not calling you based upon merit. He's not calling you based upon what you can do for Him or what you have to. He's calling you because He cares for you. You'll never be able to earn God's grace. I don't care how much money you give given an offering plate. I don't care how faithful you are to church. I don't care how holy you dress. We as humanity will never be able to do enough to earn God's love and mercy or his grace. No. Nobody. Nobody. So you've got to get it out of your mind that you have to be a certain thing to reach a certain level in God. All you have to do is respond to the call this morning. All you have to do is understand, you know what? I've made I've made mess ups, I've had failures. I've done things I know I shouldn't have done. But I can leave today changed by the power of God. Bartimaeus, the first thing he did when Jesus called him, he cast off his garment. That thing that was hindering him from responding, he had to get rid of it. I'll tell you today, the thing that's hindering you from responding, you've got to get rid of it. And say, nothing's going to stop me from getting what I need from God this morning. Nothing's going to hinder me from getting a touch from God this morning. I want a touch of God in my life. Heads bowed, eyes closed all across this building. Without a doubt, God has spoken. God has ministered and spoken to several people. Sir, I'll come get you if I have to, but I want you to respond to the call this morning. I want you to feel what heaven is wanting to do in your heart. I want you to grasp the concept of a brand new start today, sir. Ma'am, a brand new start. You say, I've been in and out of church time and time again. That doesn't matter. What matters today is that you come to an altar and you say, God, forgive me of my mess-ups. Forgive me of my failures. I'm asking for grace and mercy. I promise you He'll meet you at an altar, ma'am. He'll meet you at an altar, sir. I wonder, is there anybody here? From the front to the back, I'm opening these altars. From the front to the back, I believe it would be pleasing to God if we stepped out of our pew and said, God, I want a touch from heaven this morning. I want a touch from heaven this morning. If you need to grab hands.